0: This is Science Friday. I'm John Dankoski. Ira Flato is away. Hurricane Ian made landfall in southwest Florida on Wednesday with winds over 150 miles per hour, high storm surge, and flooding rains. Search and rescue operations are out assessing the damage that's already been done. And helping that assessment are search and rescue robots. Producer Christy Taylor is here with more about that. Hi, Christy. Hey there, John. So what kind of robots are we talking about here? Yeah, we're talking about robots that can crawl through rubble, fly over flooded neighborhoods, or even swim to look for, for example, broken bridges. They can go where people can't. And they can collect really high-resolution images a lot faster than a person could, too. So that way, the more limited human responders can figure out where to go for rescues and later infrastructure repairs. So, so the idea here is that the robots do the search part, they map where flooding is worst, all that stuff that they do best. And then the humans get to do what we do best right exactly and there's even some research out there saying that faster response times even by one day can not only save lives but also shorten the ensuing recovery period by months or even years david merrick is director of the center for disaster risk policy at florida state university he's an emergency management expert who focuses on those flying robots so drones and other unmanned aircraft and he is as we speak sending those aircraft out across florida I got to talk to him first thing yesterday morning. His team was just about to roll out from the slightly noisy convention center in Orlando that's being used as emergency management headquarters.
1: We've been here in the Orange County Convention Center now for a day and a half. We spent yesterday here. Uh, wind is, uh, the wind is going pretty good outside right now, but it looks like the storm has, has moved south of us pretty well. So this morning, um, we're going to pack our vehicles. And uh, the hope is as soon as as soon as the winds get below a safety threshold, which is typically tropical storm force winds, so 39 miles an hour, um, we will start pushing forward um, into the impacted areas. The The mission is to support the urban search and rescue uh, with remote sensing. So uh, we're going to use drones, um, a variety of fixed wing and, and multi-rotor uh, to kind of provide um, a snapshot of what's happening in front of where those USAR teams are going to go. And uh, we've got a lot of new technology. Um, we have multiple uh, Starlink units with us that should actually allow us to push uh, live information back to decision makers. Um, you know, sitting, sitting right here, it, it's dark outside. We know it's bad, but we don't know specifically where. So we're going to try to get these remote sensing tools um, into place to help make those decisions, um, which is an overly simplistic way to look at it. But uh, that's kind of how it's, uh, it's going to break down today.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about robotics in general for hurricane response, I mean, what are the different roles they can play in the different phases?
1: There are a lot of different roles that, uh, that we can use robots for. I mean, the remote sensing is, is kind of the easy lift. It's, the, uh, it's kind of the low-hanging fruit. It's the one that everyone equally understands. Use robots and structural collapses uh, for inspections of areas that we can't put people in a safe way, and we're prepared to do some of that. We have, you know, some smaller drones. We don't have any ground robots with us uh, on this event because we're kind of tasked with moving quickly. But uh, you know, there are technologies to anything that's dirty, dull, and dangerous, right? Where we can, we <laughs> right. Can put a, put a robot instead of a person, uh, and that includes boats with sonar and. Uh, submersibles and all kinds of things that can, uh, that will probably come into play later on in this event as we look at uh, at clearing waterways and inspecting bridges um, and that kind of thing that, uh, you know, all these critical tasks that have to be done before we can kind of get back to normal.
0: Right now, we have flying robots gathering information. Later on, we might have swimming robots gathering information.
1: That's correct. There's uh, there's a lot of bridges, a lot of bridges that are not that have to be certified. Uh, and that includes looking at their pilings, what's underwater, what's, what's up under, underneath the bridge, what's the situation there. You know, there's been some, some record storm surge, a lot of water where it's, uh, where it shouldn't necessarily be. Uh, and all that needs to be looked at before we can um, put that bridge back into service. Then of course there's always the, the concern of structural collapse. We're going to, we're going to cross our fingers uh, and hope that we don't have a major issue on that, that it's, it's mostly flooding that we're dealing with, but, uh, our team was, you know, at, the, at Surfside uh, in 2021, uh, doing a lot of repetitive, uh, you know, monitoring and data collection uh, to support that collapse scenario. So mm-hmm. a, lot of, uh, a lot of things we can do with robots.
0: Yeah, well, and, and for folks who are in Florida right now, they're facing the stress and fear of this hurricane right now. How do you connect these robots to them potentially having a better experience of, of Ian and returning to their home sooner?
1: Everything in emergency management, is, you know, we focus on timelines. How fast can we get things done, right? There's, there's never extra time. Um, and so the robots, whether that be flying robots or ground robots or, or swimming, are all going to help us compress that timeline uh, and help us make better decisions, get the better resources in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, that's the, that's, the, that's the huge trick. We've got a, a large area to cover and a relatively small number of of responders staged up. So we've got to be smart about where they go. So, you know, the robot flying through the air is going to help us speed everything up, um, at least on paper.
0: So are these robots as robust to those challenges as human-powered technology
1: might be? Probably not, (laughs) which is why we we carry a lot of them. Um, You know, we do view them as... Pretty much disposable um, in these situations, right? Uh, it's not like we're going out with with one aircraft or two aircraft. You know, there's uh, we have over thirty aircraft ready to go. Um, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna fly in a risky. Well, we will fly in a risky situation. We're not gonna fly in a reckless manner. Let's, let's go with that. Um, but you know, life safety and, and getting that information trumps um, whatever happens to the two thousand dollar aircraft, right? That's um, that is pretty disposable. Um, However, you know, the the conditions that I'm looking at outside right now, as the sun comes up here in Orlando uh, is, you know, there's not manned aircraft flying either, you know, and and the wind thresholds, uh, that that 39 miles an hour, that's just for safety on the roads.
0: Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. we'll
1: we'll push forward, we may not be able to fly, we won't be able to fly everything. We have some aircraft that we have in the past flown in, in pretty significant winds.
0: Do you have a, a technological wish list for what robots could do but they can't yet?
1: I, I do, um, you know, and some of it is is realistic. Some of it's a little more far fetched. <laughs> uh, you know, we're working on a um, an NSF project right now the, in cooperation with Texas A and M and Carnegie Mellon University, looking at what robots may have been able to do at Surfside, the the condominium collapse in in the summer of twenty twenty one, which was a very unique looking event right as far as what the makeup of that rubble pile looked like and and what kind of robots could have actually gotten in there and gotten underneath and and how small would they have had to have been right and uh and so that's that's you know one example um i really look forward to the day and i don't have a doubt that it's coming where the the robots are smaller they're entirely autonomous it doesn't necessarily require us to to drive into the impact area uh and, and launch these aircraft or boats or whatever else. And we can do that from a long way away and, and control that, you know, a swarm of aircraft or, or robots that's gonna go out and capture all this information rapidly and autonomously and then and then feed that information back. Um so, you know, the from the something that's this, you know, a couple inches long that can get into a, a collapsed structure to you know, swarms of of aircraft that are collecting data. All of these things are are the wish list, right? And on the more practical side, I just want more power, more time uh, to operate um, in the same smallish packages, right, without having to get something that's the size of a car.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, you mentioned the collapse at Surfside last year. Are there other disasters where we've begun to learn more about the potential usefulness of robots or the actual usefulness of robots?
1: Certainly, right. It, you know, it comes back to that um, uh, that concept of dirty, dull, yeah. and dangerous. Anything that uh, we can't put a person into, whether that be a, a hazardous material type, even not in a disaster concept, but you know, we we get hazardous materials incidents all the time, whether that be a chemical spill or whatever else. Um, and you know, the way that's that's mitigated and dealt with now is we we put humans into protective gear and, and we send them into what's called the hot zone to make sure that you to really evaluate what that is. And, and, you know, this, this could be happening somewhere right now, not in Florida, not in the middle of, of Ian. Um, and a robot would be a perfect tool for that. And then many places is becoming the tool for that. Right. Um, but uh, the things that we're learning through robots I and mean, looking at what Noah is doing with uh, and sail drone, right. And capturing data from inside, a hurricane that is not a place that, that any sane sailor wants to be, but, uh, but there you go. You know, um, I believe, um, the, there's, you know, we're making progress on being able to drop robots out of aircraft to fly into hurricanes and see what's going on. And, um, in and fires out West, um, you know, the, the, the wildland fire, is, there's not a season anymore. It's an ongoing thing. Uh, those you know robots are being used there to gather information about you know how is the fire behaving and how is the weather impacting it and where is it going and uh, and you know where do we best put resources? So uh, I think it's fairly safe to say that any type of disaster that we deal with on a regular basis um, should have a robot in it. Right? We should be we should be automating some of that.
0: Well, with that in mind, does this feel like it is dangerous work for? the human people who are deploying these robots.
1: Yes. And that's why I, I do look forward to the day where we can just, you know, push the metaphorical button from a long way away and fly the drone in and, and get good information. You know, we're not, we're not there yet. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we're still, you know, when we leave here today, um, and actually I'm looking at uh, through the glass right now, uh, in the wind somewhere in Orlando, a power line has just gone down and is sparking pretty crazily. Um, you know, we're going to have to drive into this, um, into a situation that is not necessarily safe for people. And uh, I'd like to avoid that. We can't avoid it completely um, because we have to go into these places where people need help. Um, but if we could do that smarter uh, and minimize that risk uh, by using autonomous systems, then I, I want to see that happen.
0: Well. I wish you very good luck and a safe couple of days ahead of you, David. Thank you so much for the time this morning, and I hope everything goes as smoothly as possible for you and your team.
1: It is my pleasure, and it was great to be here. Thanks very much.
0: David Merrick is the director of the Center for Disaster Risk Policy at Florida State University. He joined us from Orlando. I'm Christy Taylor. Thanks, Christy. And our thoughts are with everyone in the path of Ian this week, as well as the first responders on scene.